Welcome to the Bayside Church Weekly Message audio podcast, Frankston. Okay, we're starting a brand new series today. Woo! There you go. I just love that. See, the rest of you love just to sit there clapping, right? <laughs> that is so good. Do you want to hear a joke before I start preaching? No, of course you do. That got a better response than my earlier joke. Okay, a man asked his wife what she'd like for her birthday, and she said, I'd love to be 10 again. Have you heard this joke? Did Pastor Charles tell it last week? Forget it. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll teach him to pinch my jokes. <laughs> okay. Well, moving right along, let's preach the word. Okay, brand new series today. If you want the message notes, they're now on the YouVersion Bible app, all right? We're not printing the notes, but they are on YouVersion Bible app. So you can download that app either on your iPhone, your Android, whatever you use, iPad. Um, Christy, uh, after her operation, she had two very, very sore eyes, so she was wearing iPad 2. Right. So you just click on live and uh, type in Bayside Church AU and you will find all the message notes there. You've got the Cheltenham ones there and the Frankston ones there and you can follow through or take your own notes as well. The title of the message today is Things to Look Forward To and this is part one of uh, a series, a mini-series on hope. We're going to spend three weeks on this and uh, next week Jacob is preaching uh, on hope because of the cross and then on uh, Good Friday, we've got a service here at half past 10. Don't forget that. We'll be talking about hope alive and then hope because of the resurrection over the Easter weekend. But today, I just want to introduce hope to you, uh, things to look forward to. Lots of things we look forward to in life. Um, looking forward to a holiday. Uh, looking forward to Christmas. Uh, looking forward to summer already. Looking forward to a pay rise. It's like, you know, looking forward to your husband, ladies, ringing and saying, don't worry about cooking dinner tonight. I'm going to come home. All I want you to do is get yourself ready, make yourself look gorgeous. I'm going to come home and I'm going to whiz you out and take you to a lovely restaurant, beautiful restaurant. And we're going to take you out to a movie and then go for a nice drive afterwards. And, and then you wake up. Looking forward to seeing loved ones coming. I, I love going to the airport and the arrivals hall and, and looking at the joy on people's faces as they're meeting loved ones, especially when a plane arrives from Italy or Greece or somewhere like, you know, the demonstrative uh, cultures and they're, oh, they're snot and tears and it's just beautiful. Looking forward to loved ones arriving. Looking forward to when they go. Things to look forward to. Let's see what the Bible has to say about that. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 together. Romans 8. Pastor Stuart and I have swapped today. He's at the Cheltenham campus and I'm here. And he's doing a great job there. Romans chapter 8, we're going to pick it up. Uh, from verse 22, we're going to read through to verse 25. And the Apostle Paul is writing, he says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning 
as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. It's important that we understand that. When we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, our spirit was redeemed. Our body is still unredeemed, which is why it gets tired, hungry, sick occasionally. We're still waiting for that redemption. That's why we need the gift of healing, because, you know, we we want God to bring healing to us um, when we get sick. There will come a time... When our adoption is completed, our bodies are redeemed and we will no longer get sick. And at that point, the gift of healing and gifts of miracles and all of that will no longer be required. But until then, we need them. Verse 24, it's in this hope that we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? Great question. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. He's talking about things to look forward to. I am looking forward to the redemption of my body. I am looking forward to the day when uh, there will be no more shingles or cancer or any sort of sickness or disease or ailment. It won't be possible to break an arm or a leg or anything else. You won't be able to do damage to your new body. That's got to be good news right there. That's something that's something to look forward to, and we have hope in that. He says, if we've already got it, we don't hope for it anymore because we've already got it. We only need hope when we are looking forward to something. Now, Paul is writing this about hope in a very hopeless situation, a very hopeless community. Uh, he's writing it to the Romans, and a, a typical inscription on a grave uh, in the Roman Empire back in Paul's day was something like this, I was not... I became, I am not, I care not. That's what they would put on graves. I was not, I became, I am not, I care not. There was hopelessness. Hope is the happy anticipation of good. It is about things to look forward to. Bernard Baruch tells the story of a man who was sentenced to death And he obtained a reprieve by assuring the king that he would teach his majesty's horse to fly within the year on the condition that if he didn't succeed, he would be put to death at the end of the year. And this is what he was thinking. Within a year, the king may die, or I may die, or the horse may die, or in a year, who knows? Maybe the horse will learn to fly. There was a man who lived in hope. Now, there are two types of hope. False hope, which is built on a shaky foundation, and true hope. False hope is uh, sadly put together by or expressed by George Bernard Shaw. He was uh, perhaps the most renowned uh, as uh, a free thinker, an atheist, a liberal philosopher. And this was his last writings The science to which I pinned my faith is bankrupt. Its councils, which should have established the millennium, led instead directly to the suicide of Europe. I believed them once. In their name, I helped to destroy the faith of millions of worshippers in temples of a thousand creeds. And now they look at me and witness the great tragedy of an atheist who has lost his faith. 
What tragic words to be written at the end of a life. That's a false hope. Make sure your hopes are not based on the things of this world that can be shaken. Make sure your hopes are built on a true hope, a sure foundation. True hope is built upon the foundation of God, the God of hope, he is called in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1, and Jesus Christ, who is described as our hope. Now, if you're taking notes, just write down a few things here, because in the Bible, hope is described, uh, to, uh, used to describe a number of things that we as Christians look forward to. I'm not going to go into detail on these. I'll just give them to you very quickly and a scripture reference for each one. First of all, there's the hope of the second coming. We're looking forward to it. We sang about it this morning in that glorious hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. The sky, not the grave, is my goal. And I get a feeling I might be in good company. You write down Titus chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It talks about waiting for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number two, we're waiting for the hope of glory. The hope of glory. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27 talks about the hope of glory. Now, the, uh, the word glory in Scripture refers to character. Uh, it is something, it literally means light or something that emanates from someone. So when we talk about the glory of God, we're talking about that which emanates from God. It's the character of God. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, our character, what emanates from us, will never match what emanates from Him. But so it says here that we have a hope of glory. So in other words, one day at the second coming, our personality, our character is going to be transformed so that it matches his. We have a hope of glory, a hope of being like him. In the meantime, we have grace. Every time we fall short of his glory, God makes up the difference between where we lack and his expectations, and that's called grace. And that's because of what Jesus did through his death and his resurrection. Number three is hope of resurrection. And I'm not going to say any more about that because Aaron McKillop's going to be preaching on the hope of resurrection on Easter Sunday. Number four is the hope of good judgment. Colossians chapter 1 verses 21 to 23, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moving from the hope held out in the gospel. We're looking forward to the day of judgment because of Jesus. And the last one is the hope of inheritance. The hope of inheritance. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18 says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. We are looking forward to what we are, have inherited, but also what we're going to inherit. Now, you get an inheritance when someone dies. And, you, and you know, you, you're kind of looking forward maybe to the inheritance. You're not looking forward to your loved one passing away, but you might be looking forward to the inheritance. But someone has to die before the will can be executed. And as they say, where there's a will, there's a relative. Someone has to die before the will can be executed. But someone has already died. Jesus has already died. 
And so his will has already been executed. His will is for people to come to faith in him so that they might receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life in his name. Isn't that wonderful? So Christ has already died, guaranteeing our inheritance. And part of that, of course, is eternal life. Now, I want to uh, answer a question. How does hope work for us? And I want to, as we finish up, give you three ways that hope works for us in everyday life. Number one, hope works by helping us endure under trial. When you're going through a difficult time, as we have been going through a difficult time uh, over the last few weeks, but, but in the midst of that, we've had hope. We've had things to look forward to. One of the things I've had to look forward to is getting better, <laughs> being on the other side, because shingles are horrible. Christy, in the midst of pain, is looking forward to getting better. And we praise God that, that we have that hope in place. Hope works by helping us endure under trial. Write down 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3. It says here, We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ endurance, the ability to endure, the ability to stick it out and remain steadfast through the most difficult times of life is inspired by our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Interestingly enough, there are two books of the Bible which speak the most about hope. One of them is the book of Job, which I find amazing because when you look at that story, that guy went through hell on earth and yet the whole book has so much to say about hope and the other book of the bible that says the most about hope is the book of psalms and again the vast majority of psalms were written uh, to express the heart of a psalmist through some of the most horrendous situations of life but you know the greatest songs come out of the greatest suffering you think about some of the most amazing songs, uh, mainstream songs as well as Christian songs, over the, over the years that have come out of, of a, a person's experience and you listen to that song and you're wowed by that song because you know that there's a depth behind it. It's not just a little ditty, there's a depth. The hymn that we sang this morning, It Is Well With My Soul, the hymn writer wrote that when he lost his wife and children who were all drowned at sea. And he's on his way, on a boat, to commemorate. And he's looking over at the sea, he's crashing the waves and everything. He talks about when sea billows roll. He said, it is well, it is well with my soul. There's a reason we're singing that. How old is that hymn? 300 years? 200 years? You know, the, some of the songs that we sing today, we're not even going to sing them in three months or six months. But there are some songs that endure. Why is it we still sing Amazing Grace, written by a slave trader out of gratitude for salvation in Jesus? There's a song by Mercy Me, which is called I Can Only Imagine. Some of you have heard that song a stunning song. I'm pretty sure Light FM still play it. It went number one on the mainstream charts in America. Full-on Christian song talking about, am I going to dance in your presence, Jesus, when I'm with you? Or am I going to fall on my face? I, I can only imagine. It was written by the lead singer of Mercy Me when he lost his dad through cancer. Enduring through trial. 
Job, and Psalms. And when you're going through trials, read those books and be encouraged by them. They're, they're, they're in the inspired canon of Scripture because God has left the experiences of others for us to learn from and be encouraged by. It's a fascinating experiment done a number of years ago. Um, researchers performed this to see the effect of hope uh, on those undergoing hardship. And, and I'm sorry for any animal activists uh, in here, but um, this is about rats. So they had two sets of lab laboratory rats, and they were placed in separate tubs of water. The researchers left one set in the water without touching them and found that within an hour, all of the rats had drowned. The other rats were periodically lifted out of the water and then put back into the water um, and then taken out and then put back in and then taken out for a while and then put back in again. And uh, the second set, a set of rats swam for over 24 hours. They never died. Why? Not because they were given a rest, but because they suddenly had hope. Those animals somehow hoped that if they could stay afloat just a little longer, someone would reach down and rescue them. If hope holds such power for rodents, how much greater should its effects be on our lives? Fascinating. I don't know who did the experiment. I'm not endorsing the experiment. I just thought it was an interesting experiment. Don't try this at home, boys and girls. You'll be glad to know, though, that the dead rats were wrapped in Camalco, and then they were wrapped in more Camalco. Uh, they were rats foiled again. Let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 6 together. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. It's talking about the curtain of death. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. I love that analogy there, that Christ, our hope, becomes an anchor for our soul. It's something that, that goes before us and secures us, just like an anchor secures a boat. I read this story a while ago about a, a teacher in the school system in a large city. They had a program to help ch children keep up with their schoolwork during stays in the city hospitals. One day, a teacher who was assigned to the program received a routine call asking her to visit a particular child. She took the child's name and room number and talked briefly with the child's regular class teacher. We're studying nouns and adverbs in class now, the regular teacher said, and I'd be grateful if you could help him understand them so he doesn't fall too far behind. The hospital program teacher went to see the boy that afternoon. No one had mentioned to her that the boy had been badly burned and was in great pain. Upset at the sight of the boy, she stammered as she told him, I've been sent by your school to help you with nouns and adverbs. When she left, she felt she hadn't accomplished much, but the next day, a nurse asked her, what did you do to that boy? 
The teacher felt she must have done something wrong and began to apologize. No, no, said the nurse. You don't know what I mean. We've been worried about that little boy, but ever since yesterday, his whole attitude has changed. He's fighting back, responding to treatment. It's as though he's decided to live. Two weeks later, the boy explained that he had, been, he had completely given up hope until the teacher arrived. Everything changed when he came to a simple realization. He expressed it this way, and I'll quote, they wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? Isn't that a great statement? A great question. Hope helps us work through enduring under trial. Number two, hope works by helping us work diligently. If you're still in Hebrews chapter 6, I want to read a few more verses uh, from that chapter. Hebrews 6 and verses 9 through 12. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. What a wonderful statement that is. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Hope helps us work diligently. It's easy, isn't it, you know, to start off uh, in great hope. As we looked at last week from, from the book of Malachi, the, the, the people of Israel had been in captivity for 70 years in Babylon, and then finally they were set free. They went home. They were excited. We're going to go back to Israel. We're going to rebuild Jerusalem. We're going to build the wall. We're going to restore the temple. They were really, really excited. But after a few years, their excitement had waned. It had dissipated. And that's why God uh, gave them the prophetic word through Malachi, sent a messenger to them to, to tell them uh, how they had slipped up and the behavior that they had that was not pleasing to him and the areas where God said, I want you to stir yourself up. I want you to stop doing these things. I want you to start doing these things. This is what I want you to do. And hope helps us with those things. It helps us uh, to, uh, to uh, work diligently. He says, don't give up here in these, in these verses. He said, I want you to show the same diligence to the very end to make your hope sure. Don't become weary in well-doing. If you find yourself in that position, if, if you used to be more diligent uh, in serving God and in serving others, if you used to be more diligent about the spiritual disciplines of life and things have kind of waxed and waned over the years, then, then stir yourself up. May hope be rekindled uh, in your life. We'll pray for you in just a moment. Self-made millionaire Eugene Lang greatly changed the lives of a sixth grade class in East Harlem many years ago. Mr. Lang had been asked to speak to a class of 59 sixth graders. What could he say to inspire these students, most of whom would drop out of school? He wondered how he could get those predominantly black and Puerto Rican children even to look at him. Scraping his notes, he decided to speak to them from his heart. And these are the words he said, stay in school and I will, will help pay the college tuition for each and every one of you. At that moment, the lives of the students changed. For the first time, they had hope. Said one student, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me, 
It was a golden feeling. Nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. Isn't that amazing? How inspirational. That was uh, recorded in Parade magazine many, many years ago. Let's finish up. Number three, hope works by helping us live a pure life. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3 together. 1 John 3. And then we're going to have a worship time and a prayer time together as we finish up this morning. 1 John chapter 3 and verses 1 to 3. And I love these verses. This is wonderful. Hope helps uh, works by helping us live a pure life. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1, it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Isn't that a wonderful word, lavish? Lavish is one of those words that means like it sounds. You can't say lavish stingily. Stingy sounds stingy, doesn't it? Lavish sounds lavish. Lavish reminds me of my roast dinners. When I cook a roast and, and I love pouring gravy all over my roast. I like it swimming. The snorkels need, sorry, the peas need snorkels. I just love it. Lavish. And that's how great the love of the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet been known, but we know that when He appears at His second coming, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And then look at verse 3. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. The hope of the second coming says to me, walk pure, walk holy, and be diligent in serving God and others. Let's pray together, shall we, as the worship team come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just all bow in prayer together. Thank you for your word this morning, Lord God. Thank you for hope. Thank you for things to look forward to. Even if we find ourselves in difficulty in this world, that there is eternity. And there is something to look forward to. None of us will die hopeless, but we are filled with hope. I pray for each and every one of us here in this place today that hope will be rekindled and burn bright in our hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We hope you enjoyed listening to this weekly message audio podcast. If you'd like to listen to more messages and find out more information, check out our website at www.baysidechurch.com.au. Church has changed. Check it out.